Let's do this together. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your word. Yeah, see, I messed y'all up, didn't I? See, y'all are all <laughs> trying to do something else. Just, just repeat after me. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for your word. Today, Today speak, to speak to me. I know your word is true. Know your word is true. Meet, me Meet me at the point of my need. In Jesus' name, amen. See, some of y'all, I messed y'all up. I got to tell y'all a funny story. Thursday night, uh, we hosted the annual Area Chamber of Commerce uh, event. And for those that served, uh, Monica, Alana, Sue, I mean, there were so many folks that came in and served and did a great job. They had 120 attendees. The kids served in it. It was a fantastic job. And let's give our team a big hand for doing that. And, and I love it because it's just one more way we're reaching in the community, you know, and, and making ourselves available to folks in the community. But they asked me to lead the prayer. And so uh, uh, the president said, hey, not Obama, the president of, of the chamber said, uh, y'all be nice. <laughs> and and, and they, they said, uh, Pastor, would you come up and pray? And, and when I came up there, about half the people had already dropped their heads to pray. And it surprised me. So I said, hey, and they all jumped, you know. And it was just, I'm sorry, I'm sure I embarrassed y'all. My deacons are in there going, oh, Lord. But we had a great time, and, and we're able to laugh and, and feel God's presence. But I love when we as a church are so integrated into the community. You know, one of the things that churches do, that, that a great church does or wants to say is, if we were to shut our doors tomorrow, would the community care? And the truth is, for many churches around the country, if the church were to shut their door, most people wouldn't even know it. But I think one of the things that you could say about our church is that if we shut the door tomorrow, there would be a lot of people heartbroken. By the way, I'm not planning on doing that. <laughs> but I want you to know that's one of the ways you look, that the church should be the lighthouse for the community. The church should be the place when people are hurting and lost, they can go. And praise God, we've got a church that's that kind of church. Amen. 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 We've been, uh, I've been teaching you guys the last few weeks, we've been uh, sharing a series together called This Time, and the, and the big question of this series has been, if I only had 30 days to live, how would I live my life differently? And I want to tell you something, this is a revolutionary question. And some of you say, well, 30 days to live, I've had a number of people say, well, I wouldn't go back to work, <laughs> you know. I'd eat whatever I want to or whatever, but, but there are obviously the deeper questions that if you only had 30 days to live, you would restructure the way you spent your life. And some of you think, well, 30 days doesn't seem very long. Well, let's just say you had a year to live. And if you had one year to live, if you knew for sure that in one year you were going to be gone from this planet, how would you structure your life differently? How would you live differently? I want to tell you, it would revolutionize everything. And I want us to think about that. Because the truth is, we don't know how long we have, we, do we? We don't know. None of us know. We just know that there's going to come a time that if Jesus doesn't come back, there's going to come a time when, when you're going you're to be done here on this planet. And I don't want us, and, and I think the underlying thought of this whole series for me has been, I don't want to live a life of regret. I don't want to look back on my life and look back and wish there were things that I would have done. Wish that there were things that I would have said. Wish that there was, was, were people that I hadn't talked to that I wish I had. I don't want to live a life of regrets. And I've tried to live my life that way. But this series really points it home. 
And I want you to understand something today. If you knew you only had 30 days to live, you would love people more freely. You would give forgiveness away. Some of the things that you worry about right now and spend your time thinking about would mean nothing to you. Nothing. And and I think we need to look at things that way in life. We need to, as believers, look at things. Look at Psalm 39. It's in your notes there. It's on the screen. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. This is a psalmist talking. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. And then he uses the term, the Hebrew term, selah, which means pause and think about that. Pause and think about what I've just written. And so we need to do that in our lives. We need to stop and think about that. You know, interestingly, the, uh, the gentleman that spoke uh, at the Chamber of Commerce meeting talked about this very thing, and he did it in a different way, but he talked about the dash in our life, and that when on a tombstone, you've got a, a beginning date and an ending date, but really, your life is all in that dash, and what goes on in that dash is what's really important. What goes on in that dash also depends, uh, has a lot to do with how you're going to spend eternity. And I can promise you this, guys, if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. At the end of the day, the only thing that's going to matter when you stand before God, and you will, the Bible tells us, each one of us will, the only thing that's going to matter is your relationship with Him and your relationship with other people. That's all that's going to go along with you. Your bass boat's not going. Your shotguns aren't going. Your shoes aren't going. <laughs> All those things are not going to matter. And God, God does not mind us having things. We, we're supposed to be on this life and we're supposed to enjoy things. But I want you to understand, those things are here to help our life be a little better and a little more fun. But those are not the things that are going to matter in eternity. Your relationship with God and your relationship with people. Today what I'm going to talk about is real love. If you only had 30 days left to live, this is one of those topics that's really going to matter. We're going to talk about what love really is today. And I think if you'll listen, if you'll let this soak in, it's going to change you. Are you all ready? All right, well, here we go. Uh, How many of you have ever heard of Mount Everest? It's a big old mountain. Have you ever heard of that? One of the tallest mountains in the world. And and occasionally, mountain climbers will go and they will climb this mountain. I think it's around 29,000 feet tall. Huge mountain. And and so here's what's interesting is these guys will go and and climb this mountain. Now, understand, you don't just say, hey, you know what? Hey, what are we doing this weekend? I don't know. Y'all want to go climb Mount Everest? Sure, it'll be fun. That's not what you do when you're going to climb Mount Everest. People train and train and trained to do this and and you have to have special equipment and all these other things to do it people you know will spend their whole lives some people are just like that that's my goal in life is to climb, climb mount everest it's a big deal but there's an interesting thing about mount everest once you get up to about twenty six thousand two hundred and fifty feet there's a zone up there they call the death zone and if you get up to that altitude and you don't get through that area most people die You can't get past that. Back in 2006, there was a group that went up into this area. There was a team of people because they usually travel in teams. And they went up into this area. And one of the guys that was on the team began to struggle. And so he sat down and, and tried to rest and recover in the death zone. 
What was interesting is that there were 30 people in this party or that passed by this guy, and everybody saw him struggling. They all recognized that he was having a hard time, but nobody stopped to help him. On the way back down, they found him dead because everybody assumed that somebody else was helping him. A few years later, around... uh, in May of 2006, a group was going up, and they were traveling up the same place, and, and they came upon a guy that had in the same situation that had been left by the team that he was with, and he was sitting there struggling, and this team stopped what they were doing. This whole team stopped, and they escorted this man back down the mountain. What's interesting to me about that is, remember, you don't just go decide to do this. They may have been training for years for this event, but they recognized this person who they did not know was going to die if somebody didn't help him. So they threw their plans out the window and escorted this man back down, and he lived. You know what? That shows me two amazing things that happen in our lives. You know, so many times in life we see people struggling, we see things going on in people's lives, and we assume that somebody else is going to come along and help them, or, or we assume that everything's going to be okay, or we assume that maybe it's not as bad, or sometimes we just, we know what's going on, and we just kind of turn a blind eye, and we go about it and do our thing. And these guys show us so vividly that they were willing to give up their plans to help somebody they didn't know. And that's just such a contrast to me. That's really the world that we live in. Are we willing to sacrifice for other people? You know, our faith as Christians is all about that. And I want to tell you, that kind of sacrifice where people are willing to put others before themselves, even their own plans, is very uncommon, isn't it? Look in your Bibles or look on the screen or your notes at 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. This is in the New International Version. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. In other words, the cross to most people doesn't mean a whole lot or they don't understand it. But for those of us that have grasped what the cross is about, it's the power of God. It's the very power of God. And there are these two different ways of thinking. Some don't understand it all. Some don't care. And some know it's the very essence of life. And where do we fall in between? Where are we? In our lives, I want you to understand something. There are mountains, kind of like Mount Everest, that come up in every relationship husbands and wives, parents and grandparents, kids, just friends. I mean, there are these mountains that can come up in our relationship. And just like Mount Everest, if you don't know how to deal with that, if you don't have the right equipment and, and the right training and the right preparation, there are mountains that come up in your lives that will kill your relationships. And we need tools. We need help to be able to get through these things. So I've got some mountains that we're going to talk about for a few minutes. And then I'm going to give you some solutions, okay? So here's some mountains. The first mountain that we're going to talk about is the mountain of misunderstanding. Has anybody ever misunderstood you before? All the time. The mountain of misunderstandings. Um, I'll tell you one of the the greatest things in our society where people have misunderstandings is texting or email. Has anybody ever texted you or emailed you something and either A, it was wrong, or or B, you took it the wrong way? I've got a four-year-old that's raising his hand right here. I'm not kidding. Good job. 
But, but the truth is, we've got people, I mean, people can text. Why? Why is it easy to misunderstand an email? There's no emotion behind it. You know, and so we can misunderstand things, and we can misunderstand text, and we can miss. I mean, how many of y'all have a phone that you can talk into it, and it'll type what it thinks you said? I have to check mine every time. Because <laughs> I almost threw mine out the window the other day. I'm driving down the road, and, I, and I'm, I don't remember which one of y'all I was calling, but I was calling somebody in here, and I said, call so-and-so, and it's calling somebody else. Call so-and-so. I can't find that on the web. I'm not asking you to find it on the web, you know? And, and, I'm, and then I slow down because I think, well, maybe it doesn't understand redneck. So then I try to talk very properly. I don't understand what you're saying. And I'm like, you know, and, and then it becomes this thing. Because in, in translation, there is misunderstanding. And I want to tell you, every relationship you're ever going to have, there's going to be misunderstanding. And some relationships can never get past that. You may do something and somebody else misinterprets it. And pretty soon, walls begin to be built up. And challenges are built up. And, and people cannot get past that misunderstanding. I want to tell you, one of the ways that you can get past misunderstanding is ask questions. Many of us, what happens is somebody will misunderstand or we're not sure what somebody said and we'll never follow up on it. And so we live with this offense of something that somebody never even meant to do. You know how you can change that? I'm going to give you Bible. This is Bible 101. If you're not sure or you misinterpret what somebody says, you know what the Bible says? If you have ought against your brother or if somebody has ought against you, you need to go to that person and say, hey, we need to talk about this. And nine out of ten times, it's, there was a misunderstanding. So don't be offended. Ask a question. You know, pastor, did you mean to call me an idiot in your text? <laughs> yes, I did. No, I mean, you know. There, there may, but, but the deal is we've got to ask the questions. Don't, don't assume anything. That gets us into so much trouble. We are all human. So miscommunication and misinterpretations are inevitable. Take the extra step instead of being offended and ask the question. Okay? Here's the next one. The mountain of me first. In other words, the mountain of selfishness. Hallelujah. Selfishness, one of the biggest challenges that all of us face in our life, and this is one of the greatest mountains in relationships. When you are in a relationship and it's all about you, that relationship is destined for failure. Because we all have an opinion, we all have a way we want things to go, and if it doesn't go our way, we typically have problems with that. We don't like it. I got to tell you a story on my kids. I ask their permission before I told this. Uh, but I asked them last night, I said, now listen guys, I've got an illustration I want to use, but I need to ask you. And, and they're all looking at me like, uh, because they're thinking of the 5,000 things they've done that I could talk about. But anyway, back when Taylor was about 12 years old, Miles was 10, Kennedy was between 7 and 8, uh, Taylor was just getting old enough where we would let her watch the kids, right? Because she's the big sister. And, and so we said, all right, we're going to go out on a date or whatever it was we're doing. Here's our cell phone number. If something happens, call us. And so uh, we're, we haven't been gone very long, and the phone rings. And Taylor's on the phone and talking to Trish. Mom, the kids won't listen to me. 
they won't listen to me. And so Trisha puts it on speaker because she's trying not to laugh, right? And Taylor's crying because this is, this is a critical moment. And she's, they won't listen. And now I'm listening to what's going on. And in the background, I hear, and you can't understand what it is. And Taylor's going, they won't listen to me. And, and Trisha's trying to, you know, talk through, tell me what's going on. Well, I told them to do this. Well, we found out last night. <laughs> what would happen is when we would do this, Trish and I would walk out the door and Taylor goes, you guys are both grounded, go to your rooms. <laughs> Did not know that. <laughs> it's amazing, you know, how the truth comes out. But anyway, she, she, she was, I guess we left and 101, go to your room, you know. So anyway, well, so we hear this bah, bah, bah in the background and, and Trish goes, what's going on? She goes, they went into the kitchen, and they got paper plates, and wrote, Taylor stinks on them, and they're picketing me. Now listen, she's serious, right? God is so cool, because she goes, listen, and holds the phone out, and what has happened is Taylor's sitting in the middle, and Miles and Kennedy are walking around her. For real, you can't make this stuff up. They're walking around her, Taylor stinks. That was the ma 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 that we heard. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure we laughed and hung up. You know, I, I'm sure, because that's awesome parenting. But here's the deal. We, we do that in relationships all the time, don't we? Where, where we want what we want, so you're grounded and go to your room, and, and, and everybody's misunderstanding, and, and there's this selfishness going on, and our relationships fall apart. And maybe the people don't physically pick at us, but they're doing it in their head, right? And pretty soon we find ourselves alienated from those around us. Because of our selfishness. Because guys, I want you to understand something today. You were not created just to do whatever you want to do. God created you with a specific plan and a purpose. And his plan for your life includes loving the people around you as the core of it. And loving him. Remember what Jesus said. The whole commandment, the whole Bible, all those rules can be summed up in two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, if you'll do that, you'll fulfill all this. And nobody will have to be picketing you, and you won't have to be picketing anybody else. But we've got to get past ourselves and begin to put others first. Amen? Here's the third mountain that we run into. This is the biggest one. The mountain of mistakes. The mountain of mistakes. In other words, the stupid stuff other people do to you and the stupid stuff you do to other people. And most relationships can't get past this. Because the reality is, we're going to hurt people and people are going to hurt us. And that's life. And it's not fun. Listen to this. Every one of us has been hurt by someone else. And it's so easy when you're hurt in a relationship to build a mountain of bitterness around your heart to protect yourself from being hurt again. It's a natural reaction. I've told some of you the story back when I was 16 years old and I was just starting to date and, and I was dating this girl that was the lieutenant on the drill team and she was a year or two older than me and I was in love. Hallelujah. 
You know, I just, my dreams had come true. And, and, and of course, I went out like on one or two dates, and then she dumped me. I don't know why, what was wrong with her. But anyway, and, and I remember talking to her one day, and, and she just didn't, she blew me off, didn't even act like I was there. 16 years old. Now, I want you to understand something. It's, it's funny now when I look back on it, but at the time, I was devastated. And I remember saying this at 16. I'll never let anybody hurt me like that again. And for the next seven or eight years, all my relationships, dating, were defined by that relationship at 16. And, and whenever anybody would get close to me emotionally or relationally, I'd break up with them. I was gone. And I just went through relationships like that. And I want to tell you, I mean, even when Trish and I started dating, I mean, that was something I had to get past because I had this presupposition that anybody that got close to me was going to hurt me. And I want to tell you, that's a 16-year-old breakup. I mean, that's nothing compared to what most of you guys have gone through. Divorce, adultery, rape, abandonment. I mean, and so when you begin to, to see these things and they begin to pile up on your life, what happens is the natural reaction is to build a mountain to protect ourselves. The problem is in protecting ourselves, we choke our own life out. You know, Jesus said in the world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. People are going to hurt you. But then he said, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And I want you to know, guys, this is one of those messages that if you will take this to heart and you'll apply it and receive what God has for you, it will change your life forever. Because I know this is true. But you've got to receive it. So I want you to listen to how we get past these things, amen? So how do we overcome these mountains? How do we climb these mountains? How do we get past them? How do we have the kind of life that God has for us? How do we, because Jesus said, I've come that you would have an abundant life. I've come that you would have a life that's overflowing, which sounds really good. But how do I get there? Because God, I'm broken. How do I get to this life? Here's how we do it. The Bible has strategies for us. It tells us. And I'm going to use the illustration of the mountain climbing to kind of tie it up for you, okay? The first thing that a climber needs before they climb, and how many of you have ever seen people mountain climb on TV or something? I mean, you've seen something. All right, you'll always see them with ropes, won't you? They've always got ropes. And the reason there are ropes there is to help you get up and help you get down, and if you fall, you've got this rope, and it kind of anchors you there. It's your lifeline, if you will. And so we have to have a lifeline. lifeline. And here's the first lifeline. It's the rope of acceptance the rope of acceptance Romans 15 7 says this accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to praise God accept one another then just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God you know we need to accept each other we need to do that we need to learn to, when, when we're going, it's a choir, that's awesome. <laughs> it's like stereo babies. <laughs> Let's see who wins. <laughs> but we need to learn to accept each other, and it's difficult. Because we accept perfection. You won. <laughs> we need to, we try, we want perfection out of people. And what's interesting is that most of us expect more out of other people than we do out of ourselves. Maybe I'll, I, want, I want 
perfection out of you, but for myself, I'm willing to give myself a break. Some of you, it's just the opposite. The hardest person you're, you're hard about in your life is yourself. You're your own worst critic. And Jesus tells us that we need to accept each other just, just like he accepted us. We need to have grace for each other. We need to have mercy for each other. Now, I know. Now, listen, I'm going to do this top ten thing, and I'm going to go through it here. And, ladies, I don't want you all to be mad at me because I did not write this list. But, but somebody somewhere compiled a list of the things, the top ten things that guys wish ladies would do or would know about them in relationships. And you don't have to be married or dating anyone to appreciate this. This is just a list. So ladies, fellas, if they rush the stage, you've got to throw your bodies in front of me. You've got to protect me right now. <laughs> got to step up. Number 10, if something we said can be interpreted two ways, and one of those ways, make, ways makes you sad and angry, we meant the other one. You get that? That's that whole mountain of misunderstandings thing. If something we said can be taken two ways, we meant the one that doesn't make you upset, okay? Number nine, learn how to work the toilet seat. And we're just going to leave it at that, okay? <laughs> you know, you, you know, lots of flack there, and we're just moving on. Number eight, we're not thinking about you or our relationship all the time. It's true, right, guys? I mean, I know that's hard, ladies. Don't you think? No, I don't think about you all the time. I'm thinking about other things, mostly food. And so, now this is a huge one. This is a big one in my household. When you ask us what to wear to an event, we really don't care. Come on, guys, help me out right here. And, he, and ladies, I'm just going to help you look around right now, some of the guys. We would have come in our pajamas today if we could have got away with it, all right? I mean, it's, it's just not that important to us. Really, anything you want to wear is okay. Can I get a big amen from the fellows in the house? Come on now. This one's important too. Number six, don't come to us with a problem unless you want it solved. Right? We fix stuff. Fellas, y'all are not helping me at all. Looking at his wife going, I don't know where you get this. This is so wrong. I don't agree with any of that. <laughs> You're perfect in every way. <laughs> oh, Lord, here it comes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We can't go back. <laughs> oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's... Becky, if this falls apart, we just move on, all right? That's, all right. Oh, Lord, I'm nervous about this one. Whenever possible, please only talk during the commercials. <laughs> if you brought your gun, gentlemen, now would be the time to remove it from your holster. Number four, Christopher Columbus didn't need directions, and neither do we. Well, we'll find that place. <laughs> number three if it itches we'll scratch it we're like bears we're like bulls we're just going to scratch stuff all right <laughs> number two we are not mind readers tell us what you want <laughs> this podium is made out of bulletproof material 
<laughs> Number one, if we ask what is wrong and you say nothing, we will act like nothing is wrong because we, we know you're not telling the truth, but it's just not worth the hassle. <laughs> but this is what this means, okay? This is what this means. And that's all in fun and games. None of those are real. Um, <laughs> But here's the truth, guys. Here's the truth in relationships. The rope of acceptance, this is what it means. Listen, this is what it means. We need to stop trying to change each other and start cherishing each other. We need to stop trying to change each other and try to make people into what we think they ought to be. And we need to learn to cherish each other where we are. That is, that is really enlightening. When I read that this week, I thought, wow, that's really good. We need to learn to appreciate the gifts in each other. We need to learn to love each other where we are and accept each other where we are. That doesn't mean we don't improve in life, but I want you to understand something. I want you to understand we need to learn to accept each other where we are and know that as we love each other, we're going to continue to grow and not try to chisel each other into the image that we want them to be. Because the truth is, opposites attract. Opposites attract in relationships. Opposites absolutely attract in, in marriages you know I'm so pretty and y'all know how Trish is and, and here I am no, I'm just kidding <laughs> oh yeah well you know praise the Lord hallelujah <laughs> but here's the deal it is true but here's the deal if opposites attract you know what happens friction and, and we tend to date people or, or marry people or want to be around people a lot of times that aren't like us. And the problem is, since they're not like us, it causes friction in the relationships. Friction is a good thing. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. What that means is there's got to be friction if there's sharpening. And that means a lot of times the people that love you the most are also going to be the ones that are the most honest with you. They're the ones that are going to tell you when your fly is down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're the people that, that if they see a train wreck coming in your life, they're going to be there for you. They're not the people that see it coming and say, y'all watch this. They're the people that are willing to step out and tell you the truth, even when it hurts. And so we need to stop trying to change each other, start accepting each other, and let God do the changing. Amen? Genesis 2.25 says this, the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now that's interesting. We're talking about Adam and Eve in the garden. The Bible says they were naked, but they felt, felt no shame. Now your first thought might be, well, they were bodybuilders or whatever. No, that's not true. What happened is there was total acceptance in their relationship and they loved each other at their core. And when we begin to have those kind of relationships and accept each other where we are, that makes an amazing thing happen in our lives. I want you to do that, amen? Number two, you need to gain traction with loving actions. Gain traction with loving actions. How many of you know one of the most important articles of clothing you put on every day are your shoes? How many of you? Come on. And, and how many of you know that if you have uncomfortable shoes on, the rest of your body hurts? Have you ever noticed that? It's true, isn't it? I mean, a pair of shoes that are too small or too big. I mean, because everything that happens, all the movement that goes on in our lives, everything's kind of translated through our feet. Well, it's really important if you're climbing mountains that you need some really good boots, don't you? You need something that's got traction. I've got a pair of boots um, that I wear at the house. They're muck boots. Everybody know what muck boots are? 
I mean, they're, they're really good boots. But here's the problem. My brother-in-law gave me these for Christmas a couple years ago. They're waterproof, but they're completely slick on the bottom. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he did that on purpose because here's what happens. It's kind of, it doesn't make any sense. They're waterproof, but they're slick. And if there's water on the ground, then the ground is slick. And so when you get out with these boots, I have literally almost killed myself a half dozen times with these boots. But I'm dry until I fall down. (laughs) And then I'm not dry anymore. But boots are extremely important. You know, one of the things we had in SWAT school, they always talked to us about is make sure you have comfortable shoes because you may be out hours at a time. And so it's important that we get traction in our lives. And I want you to understand the way you gain traction in relationships with your friends, your family, is by loving actions. And that's not always big things. You know, I talked to a lady this morning right before church. She stopped me and said, Pastor, I'm really loving this 30 Days to Live series. She said, I've been writing notes to people and sending messages out to people. And and those loving actions are things that can help change somebody's life. And it's little things a lot of time, a kind word. You know, just little things. But each time you do that in a relationship, it gives you traction. It gives you the ability to move forward. And it's little things. Here's number, number, uh, a note underneath that. There's three C's that I want to talk about on how we gain traction in relationships. Let's look at the first one. The first one is consideration. Consideration. And here's what that means. Philippians 2.4 says this. And look out for one another's interest, not just your own. Look out for one another's interest, not just your own. In other words, you need to consider other people before yourself or consider other people also. You need to think about the needs of others. You need to be thinking about your spouse. You need to be thinking about the kids or the neighbors or the people you work with. And you need to be looking and thinking about the things they're dealing with. And it says here very clearly, and look out for one another's interest, not just your own. You notice that's a pretty strong word, isn't it? Look out. That tells you to be proactive and be looking for the needs in other people. You know, have you ever noticed in your life when you get around somebody and maybe you are going through a hard time and somebody notices and they said, Matt, are you doing okay? Everything going okay? And sometimes just knowing that somebody else sees that and you might just share a little bit and say, man, could you pray for me? That carries such or takes such a burden off of you. But you have to be in that mindset to even see it. And it can be small things. Here's the second C. Cooperation. Cooperation. The Bible says that when two people are joined together in marriage, they become one. And here's what I want you to hear. This is the way God does math. This is the way I am so glad you weren't here for the joke part. I really am. It was the blessing, though. It was awesome. I really talked about how men love women, and it's great. (laughs) Marty, if you could erase that part off the CD, I'd really appreciate it. Here's God's formula for relationships. Listen to me. This is important. God's formula for relationships. One plus one equals one. Somebody went, huh? It's new math. (laughs) One plus one equals one. The way God looks at relationships is one person plus one person equals one whole person. And that's what he's looking for in us. We need to consider that when we get into relationships, that one plus one equals one. I want to read you a 
way that Jesus talked about this in John chapter 13, verses 1 through 6. If you've got it in your Bible, Becky's got some of it up on the screen, but I want to read this for you. I'm sorry I didn't have it ready. I do things like that every once in a while just so y'all know I'm human. Mm -hmm. All right, John 13, verse 1, listen to me. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was coming, in other words, he knew that he was about to be betrayed. He knew he was going to the cross. This is important. When he knew his hour had come and that he would depart this world to the Father, having loved his own, having loved his disciples who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. And supper being ended, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Jesus. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and wrapped it around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And when he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus said this, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him and said, if, if I do not wash your feet, you have no part with me. And then Peter said this, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my feet. And that is a beautiful picture. Think about this. Jesus knew, we're talking about 30 days to live. Jesus knew that his time had come. He knew that the next few hours and what he did with these guys were going to be some of the things that were most important things he could show them. So what did Jesus do? After dinner, he gets up. He takes a towel a basin of water, and goes around the room and washes these stinky, nasty feet. The Son of God, the creator of the universe, humbled himself and taught them how to be a servant. I love it where Jesus said, you may not understand now, you're going to understand later. And it's so the same with us too. That that's what God does, and he asks us to do the same thing, that we would love each other like that. And I want you to think about that. I mean, that's really a humbling deal. But he showed us that if you're going to be great in the kingdom of God, you have to serve. And you have to love that way and put others' needs before yourself. And guys, really understand this. This is God. And I love what Peter said because some of you say the same thing. Not me, Jesus. Ooh, I don't deserve for you to do that. And Jesus said, I got to do that, man, or you don't have any part with me. And then Peter said what we all should say then, and really wash all of me, Lord. Wash all of me. He's showing us something. He's teaching us something. And we have to learn to cooperate with each other. Here's the third C, commitment. And commitment is big, guys. 
Philippians 2, verse 13 says this, For God is working in you, listen to this, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. I'm going to read it again and I'm going to explain it. For God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. When I read some of these things, some of you go, I can't love people, I can't forgive people, you don't understand what they've done to me. I deserve to be mad at them. Matter of fact, I hope a car runs over them. I mean, we're just being real, right? So, so I love what this verse says. For God is working in you, and he is giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. And that is really good news because some of us that struggle in life, some of us that have issues and things going on, I want you to understand, God can change your heart. And for those of you that struggle with different things, maybe some of you are struggling with addiction, some of you are struggling forgiving, uh, whatever issue it is you're facing, understand today that God can give you the power. When the Holy Spirit comes into our life, the very power and presence of God resides in us. And he will give us the desire to do things that he wants us to do. So it doesn't have to be all on you. And here's the way you do that. Say, Pastor, I I need that. How do I do that? Father, help me. Give me the desire. Lord, you know how I feel about so-and-so, and they're mean, and I don't like them. And they hurt me. And Lord, if, if you'd ask my opinion, you shouldn't like them either. <laughs> but you know what, Lord? I see what you did. And you hung on a cross. And the very people that crucified you, you said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. So if you can do that, if you'll put that desire in me, Father, if you'll put that spirit in me, if you'll give me that desire, Lord, I'll do it. But I need your help. Boy, it's that simple, y'all. And here's what I want you to do. You can just write this down. If there's somebody in your life that's hurt you, if there's somebody in your life that you're mad at and they may deserve it, whatever, here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to pray for that person. And I want you to begin to bless that person. Father, I pray you bless so-and-so. Lord, you know, Father, they're hurting people because they're hurt. Lord, I know that, but Father, they hurt us. And I pray, Lord, bless them. Lord, I pray that you'd bless them in their job. Lord, bless them at school. Lord, help. And watch what will happen. Their life may change, but your life will definitely change. Because your heart towards them will begin to change. And God will change you, and he'll begin to give you the desire to love people that are hard to love. He will do that. And I'm telling you, some of you today, if you'll apply that, it's gonna change your life. Do you understand me? It'll change you. Here's the last, number three on your notes. We need to be tethered together by forgiveness. Some of you go, what does that mean? We talked about the rope of acceptance. If you ever watch, most of the time, these teams climbing up, especially Mount Everest, there'll be somebody at the front and everybody, and they've got ropes, and all these ropes kind of run through each person. So maybe there's 10 people on your team, and everybody's kind of roped together. And here's why it's very simple. If one person falls, the other ones can stand there, and they they can hold that person up until they can get a grip. And here's the way we do that. Here's that rope that ties us together. Here's the rope. Here's the key. This is the rope that does all that. Are you ready? It's tethered by forgiveness. 
tethered by forgiveness. Because the truth is, we're going to hurt each other. Even the best church on the planet, people are going to get hurt. And I think this is one of the best ones. But we're going to hurt each other because we're, we're wounded and we're broken and, th- and we all have bad days. I had a bad day just a while back. I had a bad day. We're all going to have bad days. And we're going to misunderstand each other. Sometimes we're going to be mean to each other on purpose. But here's the thing. If we will look at the example of Jesus and if we will strive to love each other the way Jesus loved us, we can overcome anything because that forgiveness and that love will cover a multitude of sins. Listen to this. I love this quote. We get the power to forgive people in our lives by looking at the cross. Because you'll never have to forgive anyone more than Jesus has forgiven you. Wow. The worse somebody's hurt you, it's, it was worse for him. As bad as it may be for you, it was worse for him. Imagine, guys, the sins of the whole world, every mistake, every sin that anybody ever committed on one person. And you will never have to forgive anybody more than Jesus has forgiven you. And that's where the power to to do that comes from. When we accept him, when we receive him, when we begin to walk like he taught us to walk, that love can be in us, but you have to receive it. And the Lord, God can love people through you. Colossians 3, 13. Get along with each other and forgive each other. If someone does wrong to you, forgive that person because the Lord forgave you. Amen? 1 John 3, 16. And this is how we know that what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And listen to this. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Wow. And I think it's interesting that John 3.16 talks about for God so loved the world. 1 John 3.16 talks about God loved us that much and we need to love each other that much. Greater love has no one than this than one laid down their lives for their friends. And that just doesn't mean dying for them in the natural. That may mean dying for them relationally and emotionally and beginning to put others first and begin to serve others. I want you to understand something. If you've been around our church any amount of time, you've had an opportunity to love and serve people. And it is one of the most amazing feelings in the world, isn't it? Isn't that awesome? Amen. When you get an opportunity to reach out and love people, it's amazing that some of the focus that you have on your own life begins to go away when you begin to see the needs and meet the needs in other people. You know, at the backpack deal this year, go out there and serve and put shoes on kids that walk up with sandals three times too large. Think you're having a bad day? You know, go out and begin to look and see the needs and the hurt in other people's lives. And, you begin, and when you begin to do that and you begin to see what other struggles and challenges people are facing with, it's amazing sometimes how the hurt in our own lives gets minimized when we love other people and allow the love of God to flow through us. And I want to tell you something. If you'll begin to love and serve people, what will happen is you will turn your eyes away from your problem 
And here's what you'll realize, some of you, that as you love and serve other people and the power of God flows in, in you, you'll turn back around and your problem will be gone. <laughs> because the power and the love has flown through your life. This is real. This isn't philosophy or theory. This is truth. You understand me? Jesus showed us what the power of love was about when he went to the cross. And then he tells us that we're supposed to love other people in our lives just like that. We're to lay down our lives and our selfishness. We're supposed to lay down our desires and what we think we want to serve other people. And if we'll begin to do that, he'll change not only our lives, but the lives of all those people around us. So to bring it all back, if you only had 30 days to live, who would you serve? Who would you love unconditionally? What's keeping you from doing that now? I really want you to examine your life during this series. I think this is a holy thing that God has done for us in this series. And I want you to begin to look at people differently and really start to understand and think about what's really important. You know, yesterday I walked into the house and it was awesome because I walked in and one of the water lines to the laundry room had broken. And there was water all over the place. And Miles was with me and I said, well, bub, he said, let's fix it, dad. (laughs) So for about six hours... I got to hang out with my son. (laughs) And we weren't mad and we weren't frustrated. We were working together. And I know it seems simple, but how often do we do that? How often do we slow down? Because we're so busy doing nothing. And we're high-fiving and smiling and tearing stuff up. And Ronnie, I'll be calling you later to help me. (laughs) but we got to spend time together no cell phones just right there working together it was awesome and I thought if I only had 30 days this is the kind of stuff I'd want to do so don't wait for an emergency don't wait for something to break don't wait for a bad call from the doctor's office. Don't wait. And then live in regret of what you wish you would have done. Do it now. Make that phone call. Send that email. Go visit that person. Get it right. Life is too short. Do you understand? Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus to die for us. Lord, he took our sins. He took our past. He took our pain. He took it all to the cross. Not but because we deserve it, but because you love us. Right where we are, in the middle of our mess, 
And so, Father, I pray today in Jesus' name that you would move in our lives. Lord, I know that there are people here today that are broken like I am many times. But your love is so good. And you just love us right where we are. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Savior, I want you to know that today is your day. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. And if you need to receive him as your Savior and Lord, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me, I need Jesus. Or maybe you're here today and you're a Christian, but you've walked away and, and you're hurting and you just want to rededicate your life. You, would, you just want to come back home. You want to receive that grace we talk about and that mercy. And I want you to know, friend, it's there for you. It's real. God's not mad at you. He loves you. He died for you. And that's the truth. So if you're here today and you're, you're a Christian, but you've walked away, but you want to rededicate your life, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. I see your hand. If you're here today and you're facing a challenge in your life and maybe you've got some unforgiveness or you, you've got some physical issues or you've got, it's just whatever else you're dealing with and you just know that today you need somebody to come alongside you. You need to pray. You need God to speak to you. You need God to do something. I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come forward. And these people aren't going to judge you. They're just going to pray with you. So if you're here today and you've got any need, whether you need salvation, you want to rededicate your life, you just need somebody to pray with you, the altars are open. Just come. Spirit lives 
seated just real fast. Many of you know Jack Bourne. He's one of our core guys here at the church. He's been fighting cancer for a while, and Jake feels like he needs to stand in for him. We're going to pray for him. If I can have my deacons and trustees, my guys come down, we're just going to pray for him. I want you to know, we see God heal people because he's still in that business. And so we're going to be praying this morning for Jack. And, And if there's some of you also here today, Brian Kent, so good to see you, buddy. Brian hadn't been here in a while. We're glad to see God working on him, heal him. We're going to stand in this morning. Let's, let's pray and join our faith together that God's going to heal Jack completely. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning. And we pray right now, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would touch Jack. So, Father, right now we come before you and we pray that you would lift Jack up, that you would touch his body, that, Lord, you would heal him. Father, we know that your word tells us by Jesus' stripes we're healed. So, Father, today we pray in Jesus' name that you would touch his body and that you would heal him. Lord, we speak peace and comfort to him in Jesus' name and according to your word. And we thank you for it. Amen. 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 Let's praise God because I believe that's going to happen. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jake, for your obedience. Uh, You guys can just stay here for a second. I love ordering them around. It's so awesome. <laughs> um, tonight, we're going to be having our annual business meeting. I want you to know it's, it's a holy time because we're going to come in really tonight. We're going to celebrate what God's done in 2013. It was a great year for our church. So you guys know, we grew 33% last year. Isn't that awesome? That God was touching. And What's important about that is that's families and lives being changed. Amen. So we're going to tonight celebrate that. We're also going to be electing some positions. We've got some deacon and trustee positions, and we've got some change going there. So you need to come tonight. If you're not a member of the church, you're welcome to come. You, know, you just won't be able to vote, but you'll be able to participate. And if you're trying to check us out to see if you like us or not, I completely understand that. But we would love for you to come and just kind of see what God's doing and what we're planning on doing in 2014, okay? Let's all stand this morning. I'm going to ask you to grab your neighbor's hand again. We do have Germex in the lobby. So uh, this is a holy time when we come together. I believe every week, I pray, and I believe that every week God's going to change people's lives when we come here. Yes, Lord, I hear you calling. <laughs> I've got a direct line back here. Y'all don't know about that. I, but we believe that God comes each week, and he, he touches people and changes lives. And you know what? That's what it's all about. And so let's pray. Father, I just thank you today for each person here. Lord, I thank you. I know there are needs here that that people come with every week. And and I pray, Father, that you would continue to meet the needs of our folks, that, Father, you would touch our lives, Lord, that you would change our families. Lord, help us to be the people that you've called us to be. I pray, Father, that today, as we leave this place, we would truly be your hands and your feet in this community. And we thank you for that. Amen. All right, one more thing, and then I'm going to let you go. Uh, tonight, we're not going to be eating a full dinner. We're just going to have dessert. So at 5.30, we're going to come in here and have the meeting. And when we get done, we're going to go have dessert. So if you want to bring a dessert tonight, and if you can cook, I appreciate that. If you can't cook, go by Walmart and buy something. <laughs> or town and country or price chopper. 
But we'll see you tonight, 5.30. Deacons and trustees, I need y'all here at 4.30. 4.30. God bless you as you go.